I'm John Caton, and I welcome you to, to Let's Talk Native on this Saturday, December 21st, the winter solstice day. Um, while this program may not provide a path to spiritual enlightenment, we do encourage and in some cases start conversations. We don't do prayers and we don't do buffalo speeches. We take a tough look at history, oppression, and survival. We talk about culture, the arts, politics, and identity, and we may step on a few toes along the way. But our real goal here is to bring people together by breaking down what separates us. We'll take on the false narratives and provide critical thinking to all that is heaped upon us, and we do it all right here from the Cattaraugus territory of the Seneca Nation. So let's talk native. But first, let me remind people that our audio streams on our website at www.letstalknative.com. We stream live video of the show on Facebook, on our Facebook group pages via Facebook Live. We take the audio and we put it up as podcast after our broadcast, and you can find it on any of your favorite podcast platforms. We take the video and we put it up on YouTube, uh, on our on our own YouTube channel, which is Let's Talk Native TV. So you can find us. Um, you can find us on uh, on YouTube. You can find. You can also follow us on Instagram and on Twitter. We good? Okay. Um, and and of course, uh, like I said, you can uh, the podcast and uh, and we will be on Facebook. The video stays up on Facebook, so you don't have to listen live. Um. The nice thing about listening live is I can look for your comments on on Facebook while we're while we're airing. But uh, um, I realize that most people catch the shows after the fact, and that's good too. We're starting to start. We're trying to um, start conversations oftentimes about subjects that are not widely talked about. So anyway, I'm the host uh, of Let's Talk Native, um, and I'm joined here in studio by Jake Proud, who is managing our audio and our video. Uh, let's get into it. Um, I guess I could first, <laughs> before I get into it, so so I don't forget to thank people. Look, yesterday was my birthday. I am officially sixty years old, entering my sixty-first trip around the sun, starting on the day with the uh, you know again the, the the shortest day of the year. So uh, I want to thank all you folks who wish me uh, good birthday wishes and uh, and uh, you know a, a, a good new year. Uh, I appreciate uh, appreciate the sentiment. Um, I used to think 60 was pretty old, but now I'm here, so I guess I have to rethink all that. So, All right, let me get back. Let me get into it. I had a little, you know, I've been having a bit of an issue with a few people over this notion of identity politics, none more so than one caller in particular in, particular in New York who um, has a strange view of the world. And, of course, he's a white guy. Um, and if you are openly condemning of the, the, the whole notion of identity politics and if you don't know what identity politics is here's the you know a you know a dictionary definition of identity politics the tendency for a people of a particular race ethnicity or social background to form exclusive political alliances moving away from the traditional broad-based party politics i don't even know if it's as narrow as that but anyway that's that's how it's defined online or whatever else but if you are openly condemning of people who utilize their identity to to take a specific uh, stance on political issues, you know, social justice issues, whatever. Uh, um, if you're against that, you're probably white, because it, what it does is it takes it takes away from the again the the two party system. Democrats would love to believe that any people who have ever oppressed are going to have better hope aligning themselves with the Democrats. Not necessarily so. In fact, it's never been so historically. And and if you think it's bizarre that there are people in the world 
who don't feel like they are accurately or appropriately represented by by the two white parties of the of the United States, Democrats and Republicans. Well, you're probably you probably just don't understand what it is to have a distinct identity from being white. Uh, but I want to I want to talk about identity politics because th- this is there's a reason for it. I mean, there's a reason to say I am a distinct people. You know, whether it's you know because of your religious beliefs or your nation of origin or whatever else, and and to have a certain um, they also call it special interest, right? To have a special interest associated with your group. Especially if the broad-based political parties don't represent you, and the, certainly the Republicans don't, and the Democrats don't, from from a native or or, and I think this is true for a lot of people of color, uh, or uh, oppressed people, you know, people who have experienced bigotry, whether it's the LGBT community, whether it's uh, you know people uh, the, the Muslim community in, in the United States, the refugee community, the immigrant po- population. Uh, women are still to this day still cannot um, they have not not been able to equalize pay or benefits uh, that meant that white men are afforded so there's a lot of reasons to to fight politically socially you know uh, and 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 any other way I guess for uh, to elevate the group that you identify with but the people who are railing against it, and trust me, I got a guy in New York who used to call every week. I don't know if he still does because I think I, I think I pissed him off pretty good this past week. And you know what I pissed him off when he, when he railed against identity politics. I said, "Well, that's easy for a white guy to say." Apparently, that was very offensive to him to, to call him a white guy, and it's not because he's not white. Because I know the guy calls in all the time, and he and he, he's, and he's discussed his background. But you know, the funny thing is, it isn't just the white privileged that take this attitude. Those who have been very, very assimilated. I've got a couple of native people that have been on my, on my group pages who think it's terrible to keep, to, to, you know, obviously whether it's the mascot issue, whether it's fighting, you know, um, against some of the things that were the issues we're still, we're still fighting against, or perhaps it's a native person who is, who's so politically aligned with Trump or, or Clinton or, you know, somebody in, in the major parties that if you say anything against them, they will condemn this notion of identity politics. So, so it's not just white people, but it's people who who have become so assimilated into the system that 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 dominates the landscape, so to speak. And I don't mean just the United States, because when we think about what where this white nationalism has taken over places, you know, it's real strong in Canada. As a native person, we know we've we've experienced that. We see it in Brazil with Bolsonaro. We see it with uh, Boris Johnson in, in England. You, you see it with, um, uh, with some of these other um, uh, st- what they call strong, but strong arm, I guess, uh, leaders in, in some, of the, some of these other countries where nationalism, white nationalism in particular, has become a major issue. So for those of us who, who, who either have it historically or, or currently are still battling states over our rights you know especially native people because we're not just fighting for civil rights within or constitutional rights within the system of the united states we're fighting for for our our human rights our rights as as a person that does not necessarily have to be squeezed into the box of americanism so 
I certainly have no problem with identity politics. Now, I and it's not because I identify with every distinct group that has their sense of what their identity politics are. But I don't have to completely identify them. I can still support anybody who stands as an oppressed people. Again, whether it's the, the LGDB community, whether it's... Um, I mean, I, I think back to, to what... Uh, when the AIDS scare was just sweeping across the United States and, and, and the world, I should say. I mean, what the, the amount of people who were just, I mean, there were people who had their homes burnt because their kids, you know, got contracted the HIV, uh, virus, um, uh, through transfusions. This wasn't even just about gay bashing. This was the idea that, you know, once you could be associated with AIDS or even, stay associated with somebody with AIDS you're being painted with this brush like somehow you were the the you know this you know the untouchable so to speak so i mean it's it, this idea that there are uh, oppressed people that need to fight for their cause so um, whether it's a, a a woman or or per, perhaps a, a woman of a particular ethnicity i mean i look at what 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 a, a spanish speaking woman oftentimes will will um uh, be met up with at, at a Walmart in the South, so to speak. And, you know, white people that'll just say, you, if you're not speaking English, you can get the hell out of our country kind of thing. Like, United States has its own language. <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> it bastardizes the English language, which is from England, the country you fought a war against for your in- independence. Yeah, you weren't too independent on the language thing, were you? Were you? But no, I, I think it's important that people realize that not only do we have a right to um to embrace our distinct identities but we also have a right and and an obligation to fight for that distinction i mean it's nice to you know to to, to you know uh, this myth of the melting pot of the united states well, you know what the melting pot means when you melt everybody together we're all the same well we don't all have to be the same to be treated with dignity and if, if the whole idea, you know, and, and so and this is what I get from, from not only from some of this privilege, this white privilege, but even from people of color who embrace this notion of assimilation to the extent that they will condemn you for standing up against, you know, a racist mascot or standing up uh, to protect um, land rights or, or anything else. No, no, you, you, you should just throw the towel in and, and embrace your Americanism and that's it. No, I, I'm not going to do that. But I think this is part of the conversation that isn't had. And so just being met with, you know, not just one irate caller in New York, but but even a few other people who, who weigh in with similar kinds of messages. I think the idea that there are people, even people who think that they're on the left, and maybe even perhaps even especially people on the left because you know the people on the left think well the right is so bad everybody should be in our tent and we're not going to represent your special interests in this tent but you need to stand with us because you know black people should all be democrats native people should all be democrats and you know what they're not and we're not and there's a reason they're not and we're not for one thing you know for for many of us we don't feel either party represents us and or not feel we know they don't but the the fact is that many of us don't feel a part of that system and realize that we are going to be treated we have been uh are and will be treated badly by 
the leadership in both of those those what they call their political spectrum that spectrum of left and right in the american system doesn't mean that you have you know the left and, and the right and that that every human being on you know, in you know on this continent are somehow within that spectrum it's simply not true because i tell you you go left far enough and it's not like it's a line it's, it's like it's a circle you go left far enough and you go right far enough and they almost start to meet up on the back side of this the so-called spectrum and that's a fact i mean you can go extreme extremely right or extremely left and find yourself feeling more connected to those who are supposed to be on the opposite end of the spectrum because eventually that radicalization and 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 again i i have to say it and i know people get pissed off but both the right and the left are white and and they are i mean they they want to claim i mean you hear republicans oh we we have to draw in the you know hispanic vote we have to draw in the black vote because we fail and and you, you hear the same thing on the left because they know that we aren't a part of their system and, and and they'll try to use things like on the right they try to use the fact that the hispanic uh population or what or latinx or latina what you know uh latin american chicano whatever you want to call um uh spanish-speaking brown people <laughs> um that catholicism and religion is as you know is one of those assimilated qualities of those people so their belief is they can use the religion and the and the the, the religious right to wrangle um hispanic people into into the the, the conservative tent and of course at the same time they're gonna they're gonna be overtly racist against immigrants and immigration and uh and you know and be able to profile anybody who's brown as being illegal so they want to draw them in politically but they also will still want to be able to hang on to their and to their over racism but it's it's the same thing on on the left so i I say so I'm, i'm bringing some of this stuff up not to to get into a battle over american politics really but i want to make a make a case for why our identities are important and why we need to to fight for our distinction and and keep fighting for our distinction because you know what what those who will say oh the biggest problem in the united states is identity politics we don't really have a progressive movement because identity politics is always derailing it and and that's that's some of the argument that i get especially in new york and of course the uh, prog- to be progressive doesn't necessarily mean left it doesn't mean to be politically left. what progressive means is that you are progressing as a human being to understand to to embrace distinctions and, and diversity not to whitewash it not to smooth it over and eliminate diversity if you think to be diverse is to bring all people that are diverse into your tent and then assimilate them to one mindset then that's not embracing uh diversity it's the opposite of diversity and if identity politics if you think eliminating identity politics is is going to strengthen the progressive movement then you don't understand what progressive is supposed to mean so and i'm not saying all this stuff because i think native people need to find our place within the the progressive political movement or or i'm not not saying that what i'm saying is that we need to understand that our identity is important it's important to to our future 
And that identity comes from our past. So the idea of being able to embrace elements of our culture uh, and and bring that forward. Because our ancestors didn't want us to stay in one spot. It wasn't like we were never that we weren't supposed to progress. Our ancestors understood evolution. I mean, we, we may not have you know coined that phrase or whatever else, but we knew that we progressed as a people and that we would uh, c- continue to pr- progress in the areas of the humanities, understanding the human relationship to creation. That's very much a part of our, our culture. But everybody else wants to make it all, oh, it's so spiritual. It's this, it's that. You know, it's, it's, it's all these belief systems. No, it's less about beliefs than it is about understanding reality and our, and our real place as as human beings within the family of everything else that we're related to, whether it's the animal life, whether it's land itself, air, water, all of that stuff. And 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 that's not me trying to be, you know, poetic or metaphoric or or spiritual. That's me me trying to be pragmatic and understanding with an understanding of the limitations of our understanding what where we should be with the rest of creation and 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 that also means how we interact with with white people and, and colonialism that still is at play today when a white man calls up my show and says the problem is identity politics that is still colonialism i mean that is textbook colonialism that's saying we need to eliminate that distinction. So when when a guy calls up and and uh, and the caller in particular in New York, when he, when he calls up and says, you know, the, the problem with the country is identity politics, I said, well, it's fine coming from a white man. Boy, did that piss him off. I mean, because those who want to rail against identity politics, they don't want to. They don't want their identity to be called out. And they sure as hell don't want their the racist tendencies, of, uh, which are a part of their identity, to be called out. They don't want white privilege called out. They want to say, no, we all are privileged. We're all privileged to be Americans. Well, then how the hell is it the prisons are filled with people of color then? If we're all equal, if we're all equal under the eyes of God or all this other crap that we get served up. <laughs> I'm sorry. We are not treated the same. We have not been treated the same. The conditions that that many people who are living in, including black people and native people, are the results of hundreds of years of oppression. Hundreds of years of of having their, their humanity trampled upon by white supremacy. And so when I get a guy who claims to be a progressive who calls into my show and says the problem with the United States is identity politics, and and then go on to say, yeah, and this is really only something a couple of decades old. Well, first off, the reason that Trump is president has less to do with any of that. It has more to do with the fact that you have a slave era um, mechanism within the American electoral system called the Electoral College that allowed the system to be played, not by Trump, but by the people who knew that they, they, they could they could play the system and get a moron like Trump elected. I mean, when somebody says, well, the reason Trump got elected is because we don't have a, real, a true progressive movement, that's BS. And or that it's that it was just a that it was just a knee-jerk reaction to 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 you know having a black president uh in the United States for um for eight years. No, 
part of this is born out of problems that everybody refuses to ever address, like like the legacy of slavery, which is what the Electoral College issue is, or the legacy of slavery, which is to modern-day racism. I mean, look, I go to New York. I see what's happening still today in terms of gentrification, where, where black people who, who had their, their communities destroyed by American policy and only so white people can come in, buy up their land, and, and leave them homeless. I heard people refer to Hurricane Katrina and what happened in New Orleans as just a great thing because it, it washed away the scum of New Orleans. And what they really meant, and these are white people, of course, to say that, what they really meant is that it eliminated the, the poor black communities so they can come in there and, and gentrify those as well. So don't tell me that when we bring up something that uh, a racist policy that, oh, no, those those were only things of the past. Look, we still have a guy who claims to be Cherokee because he's he's got a card that says he is, and who's the governor of Oklahoma, who's trying to squeeze, extort money out of Native people. Today, not 100 years ago, not 200 years ago, we've got a governor, uh, you know, again, a white governor in the, in the state of New York, a Democrat, I might, I might add, who's trying to extort the Seneca Nation for, for money from their gaming. Already got a billion and a half dollars out of them, and he wants another billion dollars going forward. This isn't something from a hundred years ago. This is what we're living through now. We still have, especially right-leaning white folks in these these high school districts, and you know, supporters of you know of certain pro sports like like football. There's a there's a redneck bunch that uh, that are that really are the the big cash donors you know to, for ticket sales and everything else at, at these football games they fully embrace this notion that you can use native mascots and they no there's nothing wrong with it nobody's got a right to be offended by the fact that we're we're mocking native people that's today that's not yesterday i mean the the irony of the past is that while native kids were being beaten and and even killed at schools that they were ripped from their families from to to, uh, to to be forced into attending run by churches they were being beaten for having for trying to maintain their identity they were i mean they had stuff they literally had their identity stripped from them in terms of their clothing their hair their 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 language that was taken from them while white kids because oh we're going to call ourselves indians we're going to put mom's makeup on for war paint. We're going to beat our little oatmeal canisters in our peanut butter containers for tom-toms. So we're going to play Indian. But don't let a native person do it. Because we're trying to rid them of that identity. We'll let white kids appropriate that stuff. And that ends up being a left-right you know, uh, argument. We're going to get a little bit more support from the, from the left when we condemn the mascot issue. No support from the right. But, but again, even within the left, even within some native communities, no, that's, that's, that's okay that they're mocking us. No, it's all right. I mean, and this is the, this is the craziness. And this, well, this is why identity politics is necessary. And, you know, and again, these, these words, they go together when you say identity politics. I'm not talking about using our identity in the American political system. I'm saying using our identity against it. 
That's when I talk about identity politics. I'm saying we need to use our our identity to stand up to the political systems, not to have our own little distinct carve out within the political system. Because you know what? That's finding a comfortable place within the systems of oppression. That's not stand. That's not stripping ourselves from it. Now I realize that our battle and what we do with identity politics might be different than what a a refugee who came to the United States, you know, seeking a better life is going to do. They want their constitutional rights and their their civil rights within the system of U.S. law. That's not what we're fighting for. Well, I say, well, that's not what I'm fighting for. I, there are some Native people who are just devoted, patriotic, Christian, you know, veterans. There's, there's, there are so many... There's been so many forces working against us to eliminate that that native identity, and and that's why I talked about over the last couple of shows this, this notion. Well, how's our culture holding up against these influences? Because we are inundated, not just with a population that is always trying to assimilate us, but but all the all of the institutions of that population: the, the media, Hollywood, TV, internet, politics, law enforcement. You know, uh, the courts, all of that stuff. Schools. So our identity and, 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 the, and the political position we take with our identity is critical for our survival. And, you know, and every time we try to whitewash our identity by, by trying to make too much of a comparison, I mean, I, I, I've gotten into this, these discussions with many people, and some who are friends of mine, about... This notion, well, let's look at native spirituality because it's not that far off of what Christians believe or that, or what a Buddhist believes or what this. No, don't even do that. I'm not trying to parallel our culture and I don't, I don't want to call it belief system. I don't want to parallel our culture with somebody else's culture so somebody can say, well, yeah, they're kind of, kind of the same. No. Even if there are similarities, I don't want people trying to make that thing because it, it, it ends up whitewashing it. It bastardizes. Look, I, and I and I brought this up many times on the show. There's no greater example of how we have even altered our view of this notion of native spirituality than our embrace of the word creator. Like if we say, use the word creator instead of God, that we somehow have carved out our distinction. And yet, when when our a loved one passes away. In our culture, in in the the culture of the Longhouse, the Haudenosaunee, the Haudenosaunee, we describe what happens to our loved one when their their spirit, when their life force separates from the body, is that we return the body to our mother, to the earth. But more and more, you're going to hear Native people say, "Oh yeah, my loved one is is um, making their final journey to the sky world." I'm sorry. That's Christianity, or, or or one of the three, you know, religions of Abraham. That's that heaven and hell thing. That wasn't ours. We didn't refer, although we have we have creation stories that refer to perhaps a sky world. We don't. There's nothing in our culture that talks about us returning to that. When we look at the stars, we're not, you know, Mufasa talking to Simba saying, "Oh, those are our ancestors of the past." Those are the great kings. No, we refer to the stars as our distant relatives. Why? Because they are the most distant things we see in all of creation. But we still know that we have a relationship to them. 
We never refer to the stars as our elders who have passed on, sitting with the creator, you know, like like sitting at the right hand of God. We've bastardized our own view of our culture. And instead of the natural understanding, because we look at the earth as our mother, we say, when, when, when we die, we return to our mother. That's literally what happens. It isn't, and we use things like metaphor to describe the earth as our mother, but we literally return to the to the dirt. To the, you know, again, I guess we could use the Lion King thing. Again. Um, we, we become part of that, that cycle of life. We become the dirt. We become the, you know, part of the system of the ground that we walk upon. You know, people get hung up with this whole notion of, um, oh, we found bones here. You know, the, the, the whole idea of, 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 you know, doing these, you know, archaeological digs and that kind of stuff. Oh, we got, look, there's probably no part, almost no part of the livable, arable <laughs> lands of North America that didn't have an, um, a native person who, who may have died on those very spots, you know, and whose bones may have become part of the ground right there. But that's why in our culture, we say after the 10 day, and we even reaffirm it again on, uh, when we do the, the yearly feast, the death feast of our, for our loved ones. We, we now, we, we fully embrace that what we returned to their mother to our mother, what we return to the earth is no longer our loved one. Our loved one now lives in, in our memory and in, in our hearts. And I know that that's kind of metaphoric too. And, you know, people can call it spiritual if they want to call it spiritual. That's not belief system. Look, when somebody passes away and they're gone, the only place you have left is have them residing is in your brain, in your mind, in your memories. And even as that memory changes and alters you know how you know what they relate and it does i mean sometimes you you become more fond of somebody after they passed away than you than you were of them while they were alive i mean that that does happen for some people and that's not a terrible thing either it's not a terrible thing to to only remember the good things of somebody's past once they're gone i mean as long as you don't have to deal i'm the, if somebody's got uh, got a mean streak to them or, or they've done some really wrong to people I think you should confront it while they're alive, but after they're gone, it matters very little how much you want to condemn somebody. I mean, we should all try to be better people, better better creatures on the earth. That's the evolution that our people embraced. Not this notion that we have to be godlike or our whole goal is to one day die and, and sit at the right-hand side of the, the creator. All right. Well, and, and I, I didn't want to turn it into just that, but um, because we we have a tendency to to alter that identity because we try to parallel identity to somebody else's. We're always looking to say, well, well, here's the similar thing. Your experience is this. Well, we had the same thing happen to us. Well, you know, I don't know that we had the exact same thing. Even the oppression that black people experienced through the you know, through slavery and that kind of stuff, Native people were, were enslaved too. But our experiences still weren't the same. I mean, there's, there's a, you know, even as you describe a genocide that may or may not, I mean, if I'm, the, the effort was to, was to eliminate, um, the, the culture that black people had as they were ripped away from Africa and then bred in captivity. It wasn't to eliminate the people. Look, I mean, they, um, 
white people exploded the black population because they exploited those people as beasts of burden. So, but for us, yeah, some Native people were slaves, but it was just as easy just to kill us. There was never this. Uh, there was never this wholesale um, movement to bring black people to to North North America or to, or to the, the Western Hemisphere just to kill them. But Native people, we had a different experience. Native people were we. There was an effort to depopulate to eliminate us, so they could again they could embrace this whole notion that that it's a void land. It's a vacant land for white people to take over. All right. I've, uh, I've kind of got past the bottom of the hour. So let me take a break. I'll catch my breath, take a drink, <laughs> water, water. I'm not drinking. Um, and, uh, and, and we'll come back with a little bit more. <laughs> this is John Kane. This is Let's Talk Native. Thanks for coming back. This is John Kane, and this is Let's Talk Native. I want to thank our sponsors. Let's Talk Native is sponsored by Ross and Holly John and the RJE Family of Businesses, uh, Eric White and ERW Enterprises, and the good folks at uh, Grand River Enterprises and Native Wholesale Supply, uh, and and a few others. There's a few others who, from time to time, make a contribution, and it's always appreciated. We're always looking to try to expand our capabilities. Um, you know, either upgrade or at least maintain what we do have here. Uh, we, we, we've got a, what I think is a pretty nice setup here. And in fact, we, we've got a, a good enough setup here that, um, 
uh we do try to avail it for not only other things than just our show here but i got my buddy uh lou lou snyder uh who on mondays is going to do a show that's going to stream on his youtube channel so if you look for uh, louis snyder on um on youtube you can find his youtube channel and he's going to do he's got a show that he's calling uh, indigenous output and um you know it's going to be you know news and entertainment issues uh so look for that uh eight o'clock on mondays uh, streaming on on youtube and, uh, and i'm sure you can you know watch the videos after the fact as well but he's going to be doing that here in our ltn studios and um so we look forward to you know getting you know getting some other you know work out of uh out of what we put together here but again um those of you who sponsor the show you enable us to not only do what we're doing here but but you you're creating opportunity for others as well um i want to thank those those of you who who sponsor the show and sponsor the work we do here but i also want to thank those of you who who share our shows who share them on you know facebook my my wife posts the the live stream of our show on a bunch of other group pages i know um many of our listeners do that uh those of you are um not just listening to the podcast the podcast but sharing those podcasts or the youtube videos uh, I, I appreciate all of it. We are growing out our um, our group page pretty good. We're we, we're starting to close in pretty quickly on eight thousand members on our uh, Let's Talk Native group page. I think we're just about ready to go to seventy eight hundred. So we're only going to be a couple of hundred away from from eight thousand. So that's 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 good news as well. Um, so anyway, I, I wanted to uh, to bring to mention that and also mention uh, what what Lou Snyder is doing. Um, look when, when we talk about even the subtle ways that not just the right, but the left try to uh, target or go after um, this identity politics. Here's the the classic example. The best example of that is looking at the, the Black Lives Matter movement. So as the 2016 election happened, even the folks on the left, even Bernie and Hillary and all these others, they didn't know how to deal with the issue of Black Lives Matter. So what was the immediate re- response from from the left? The immediate response was, well, all lives matter. See, these are white people. They, they can't understand that when you say Black Lives Matter, then we're not saying that the other lives don't matter. What we're saying is, the reason we have to even have a phrase like Black Lives Matter is because it is not because black lives are not being treated like they matter white people already their lives already matter you can tell because the whole system is built to support white supremacy and and white privilege so when a white person says oh yeah i support black lives matter because all lives matter no then you missed the entire point that's exactly the attitude that stands at that at that foundation of trying to condemn identity politics because when you say when you try to replace Black Lives Matter with All Lives Matter, you are railing against identity politics. And, you know, and, and some people understood it right away once they got caught, right? I mean, because it's it's easy to to buy into that, right? I mean, it's it, it's almost like that. The, the other thing I talk about, the difference between civil rights and human rights. They aren't the same thing. I mean, and, and that's why the identity politics of of native people is different from other people uh, because we're not trying to fight for equality we're not trying to fight for equality in the, in the eyes of the american constitution or the supreme court or wherever else thinks that they are responsible for this thing no we're trying to fight for distinction from in spite of 
the U.S. Constitution and all of the the bullshit that they try to you know pressure us with uh, with uh, under the name of rule of law. It's a different thing. Why? Because our identity is different, and our 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 identity politics is different. Now, and I think it's important that people understand that because every time somebody tries to minimize our distinction, look, and this is one of the problems I have. With, with some people who interpret the Code of Handsome Lake in such a way that they, they believe the Code of Handsome Lake um, is, you know, makes us Christians. And, and I know people are saying, wait, wait, what's that mean? There are some people who believe that when Handsome Lake had his visions, he saw the Ganawida as Jesus Christ. And and that he tried to make the argument. Now, whether I don't, look, I don't know if any of it's true, but there are people, and I've listened to people here in Cataraugus who are, you know, who are considered bastions of traditional knowledge, say, "Well, you know, we are, you know, we're we're, we're really Christians too because the Gondwida and and um and Jesus Christ uh, were the same were the same person." You know, it's, that's like the whole lost tribe of Israel thing, right? You know, native, you know, with that, and that's what um, the Mormons believed, right? They, they try to push this whole idea that the native population were were the lost tribe, the unclaimed tribe of Israel. We don't have to fit into their storylines, which is which is kind of my point. But we also have to be careful because what may seem like an embrace of our distinction, oftentimes. Is a no. Bring you in. We 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 understand your history. We are, in fact, we're going to explain your history to you, which is where it takes the turn, right? <laughs> you know, everybody talks about well, what is that moment when things start to go real badly? I mean, Sandra Bland, for instance, the the black woman who was pulled over in uh, West Texas or Central Texas um, when she she gets stopped by a, a a white and she's a black woman uh, and gets stopped by a white cop because her tail light was out or something like that. How did that? Ta- how did being stopped for a taillight turn? When when does that moment happen where it gets bad? Well, when the white cop tells her to to put her, her cigarette out, she says, "Why? It's illegal for me to smoke." The the moment she stood up to a white man barking to a black woman, what she what she should do, what her behavior should be, whether there's any legal foundation or not, that's the moment things went badly. And we. All, whatever your identity is, native, you know, you know, black, I mean, uh, Hispanic, Muslim, you know, LGTB, whatever your, whatever you identify yourself as, that you feel like you are a group that needs to have some distinct representation for your group, not just in politics, but just in the world. It's fine to have allies who are not a part of your group. So, I mean, one of the things that I have a problem with the, with the definition I found online was it says, um, um, uh, the tendency for a people of a, of a of a particular race, ethnicity, or social background to to form exclusive political alliances. Look, I'm not saying that that we can't have support from other other groups, other other identifiable groups, including the the, the dominant culture, white people. In fact, any of us who are fighting oppression need to realize that the the only way we we accomplish that fight is by identifying the the powerful group the white group the the white power group and and getting some of them to to 
to be our allies. But just because we're we're, we're trying to get you know form, form allies within other groups doesn't mean that we have to concede that to have them as allies we have to be like them. And and this isn't about superiority inferiority. It's not. It's not that. I'm not saying no. We're not going to lower ourselves to be white people. No, I'm not saying anything like that. And I'm not saying that I want the white privilege that they have, because that's what we see in in a, in, a, in some of our um, in in some of our groups, right? Native people. There are native people who would love to be able to embrace white privilege. And of course, some of us don't look that native compared to other people. So, can we white pass? I mean, could, could I white pass? Sure, I could. But I'd have to abandon my identity to do that. I mean, I could I could be one of these people who says, oh, yeah, I'm a Washington Redskins fan and I'm native. Well, you're probably not. I mean, even if you have some native ancestry, it's this whole idea when, when people start to say, well, you know, your distinction is about the blood that runs through your veins. No, it isn't. No. And it, your distinction isn't about the color of your skin either. Your distinction is about who you are, what you do, how you live, the culture that you embrace. We don't embrace the color of our skin. It is what it is. I mean, I guess we could darken it or we can lighten it if we want to. <laughs> but we don't, and we have no no control over the blood that goes through our veins. <laughs> try to put try to put a different type of blood in your veins. See what happens. You'll be dead. No, that's not what defines us. I mean, it, it isn't. What defines us is what we do, how we live. What have we brought from our cultural past to our present, and, and what are we bringing into the future? Because I got, I got to tell you, if all we're looking for is to be, you know, is be dissolved, immersed, dissolved, and and, and absorbed by Americanism, by and, and and again, the problem is there's not even an American culture. It's more like homogenization. Let's throw a bunch of people and try to make and 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 try to make them the same. And of course, the problem is we still don't completely lose the color of our skin. I mean, are are black Americans lighter skin than African Americans? Yeah, but you know what? <laughs> this isn't just about one drop rule if you can be identified as being different somebody's going to identify you as being different the difference isn't something that we should be ashamed of and and again tolerance does not equal diversity tolerance isn't isn't the same thing as respect tolerance is what you put up with you know, so when you when you stop seeing somebody as different as somebody that you are entitled to kill, there are some people who say, "Well, that's tolerance." No, it isn't. If you're still hating somebody because of their appearance, or because you believe that they're too different from you, that's why identity politics isn't isn't what makes that hatred. Identity politics is what where we stand up to that hatred, and we stand up to the oppression that goes along with it. That's what is important about maintaining your identity, not just to be the exclusive club and not to tout yourself as superior or better, but 
holding on to those distinctions is what is what's important. I mean, when you look at what what people define as white people, even though even white people um, discriminated against each other, the Irish immigrants they were condemned until they were considered white enough. Then they fit. Then they fit right in with with, with white America. Same with Italians. Same with Jewish people. So once you know, if if you can qualify yourself as white people, and and you don't necessarily have to, you, you don't have to abandon your your name. You can still be called O'Reilly or whatever the heck your name is, or McDonough or whatever. I mean, that might be Scottish. Um, you can still have those those distinct names. You can even pay, you know maintain a little bit of an accent, but I mean I go to New York. When you're walking across, uh, walking through the streets in New York. There's a ton of white people that you see, but you don't know where they're from. They could be Ukrainian, they could be Chechenian, they could be Russian, and, and and there's plenty of those folks. And look, they just look like white people to us until you until you delve into into a conversation about identity. But you know what? Because they can pass. They don't immediately feel the pressure of having a distinct skin color, you know, or, or you know, or, or you know, for for people who dress a certain way that is a part of their culture, you know, people say, "Well, you know, then don't then don't wear a hijab, don't wear a turban, don't wear." So you want me to abandon something that is that is a part of my culture, or or, or a culture, so I can conform with you? Look. Our identities are important. All of us, you know, even even white people, <laughs> you should have maintained. And in fact, you, you know, it's funny because you you go through you know some areas you know um, in in the Rust Belt in particular, you find there's Polish clubs, there's the Slovenia club, there's the you know Italian centers, there's uh, there's all these distinct groups. And again, they have clubs, they have associations that that embrace their um their european ancestry but oftentimes they are the most um political right and conservatives even as they're embracing that that distinction that they left to become white america it's just it's just an interesting note Hey, look, uh, b- before we, we wind down too much, I am going to New York. I'll be in New York on the 26th, so the, the, the day after Christmas. Um, and I say it that way because uh, what I do plan to talk about in New York on the 26th is one of the most horrific and historical events associated with the day after Christmas, and that's the um, the largest mass execution in the history of the United States, the the hanging of the 38 Dakota um in Mankato, Minnesota, I'm gonna I, I'm I'm gonna spend the show the program talking about that. I'm gonna talk about uh, what led up to it and what made it so distinct. And, and and it is distinct. I mean, there's there's nothing else that compares it. The whole idea that that the good people of Mankato, Minnesota, and 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 the surrounding areas felt that it was so important to put on this huge vulgar display that they didn't they weren't gonna hang 10 at a time no they need to build this massive gallows that they could march all of them up there and hang them all with one knocking away of the uh, 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 you know of you know the planks beneath their feet i mean that's incredible just all by itself but that's what i'm going to talk about 
on December 26th, you know, 2019. I want to talk about, I mean, I don't always have a show on that, that given date. And, you know, I do try to acknowledge the significance of a day, just like today being winter solstice, so the shortest um, um, daylight day of uh, of the calendar year. Um, so I want to mention that. Now, as far as the day before Christmas, um, I'm not going to do a show on that Tuesday. There's, you know, I, I lose coming in here to do a show on Monday. <clears throat> um, again, that you can find on, on, on you, on YouTube. So I'm just going to, I'm going to skip a, a day because there's, there's, there's a lot of com- com- competing, um, interests associated with not just the, the idea of a Christian holiday, but just what people do during this, this time of year. So, um, so I won't be back in the studio until the Saturday after this uh this next week so but you can find me and and i encourage you to, to find my, my show in new york is a two-hour show um we have some interesting dialogues it is a phone and show I've, we've got a phone system there and we can bring you know bring as many as you know five ten you know 20 calls in dur- during the course of a show um and i encourage those of you who listen to this show to even catch that show even after the fact if you're not listening to it live that's fine but if you listen to it live you might want to call in and I would, and and I love it when I get a call from people who I know are specifically lis- listening to Let's Talk Native, and who call into my show in New York because, you know, the native voices are 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 the ones on the microphone, not on the phone. But when I do get you know a Donna Van Boyle or I get somebody from, you know calling some native person from another community who who listens to my shows here, uh, who who joins me, it's it's um it's satisfying and and it's great to have people join me on on the show in new york from other parts of indian country because again the thing about doing the show in new york the target audience is different when i do this show here i'm trying to speak to native people i'm trying to speak to native people so we understand why our distinction and our identity matters and i try to give our own people some stronger foundation on the legal issues on the political issues and um and help people identify people who you may not see on the face of it and know that they're working against us, but some of them are. And and at least to be able to hold them in check. I'm not saying we got to find you know, look for enemies behind every bush, but we should at least understand the difference between people who are really advocating for us and some who are just trying to you know make us conform. But in New York, my audience is the non-native public. So I'm trying to educate them too. Part of it is, frankly, that is my outreach. Do I manage to piss off some white people in New York? Absolutely. But my goal isn't to piss off all white people in New York. My goal is to educate them so they understand what a native perspective is. So when I open up those phone lines, especially in hour two of my show in New York, the goal is to have a more broad-based conversation. I had somebody tell me that, that I had no right to add to his conversation because it was as much his show as it was my show. Well, you don't quite understand how this works. This is my show in New York. And I'm inviting you as a caller to have a conversation, not to just give you airtime. So for those of you who, who listen to this show, I'd love you to, to join me and have the conversation with me on my show in New York. And that's, and that's Let's Talk. And that's, that's Thursdays from 3 to 5. It's a two-hour show from 3 to 5 p.m. On WBAI 99.5 on the FM dial, we stream on uh, our website, uh, the WBAI website, which is uh, www.wbai.org. And, of course, I Facebook live stream that show. Uh, so you can join us on Facebook. 
and uh, and I and I post the shows up uh, those shows after after the fact too. So um, I'd love to have look if you you wonder about the group pages. I've got little little over a thousand people on my group page in New York, which you would think would be the big number, and I've got almost eight thousand people on my group page associated with Let's Talk Native this show. So I'd love to get some people you know swinging over to the to the other group page and you know, and uh, and engaging me the, in that situation. It's easier for me to have. Um, uh, multiple people join me by phone. It's a little bit more difficult for me to do it here. We don't have, you know, the same you know, tools and infrastructure here that we that we have in New York. So, um, so again, I encourage you to to join me on my New York show each week. And, and again, it's every Thursday from three to five p.m. on WBAI in New York City. And of course, I do this show for the most part twice a week on on Tuesdays and uh, and and Saturdays. We'll, we'll just be skipping this Tuesday. So I want to let let people know. But uh, look. I am very optimistic. Look, turned 60 yesterday, so I don't know. I mean, it's a, it's a little bit of a shock to the system, me even thinking about the idea that that I'm really, I'm really 60 years old. But I'm looking forward to this next year. So my new year starts on my birthday, right? And you know, and you know, and other people regard the winter solstice as the uh, as the closing of a uh, of an old year and the beginning of a new year. It's not just the a notion of January 1st or whatever all that. That, that calendar but my new year has started and i look forward to this new year i am optimistic about some of the things that jake and i are going to do as projects well we already started doing a little bit we actually started some merchandise we do some t-shirts i've um uh, in fact my my white skin <laughs> t-shirt just showed up uh in the mail today um those of you who caught my last show in new york you saw that i had my um uh, my arians shirt which is not just uh, um mocking the the NFL franchise out of New out of, out of Washington D.C. with uh, replacing their 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 native logo with a Trump logo and calling the t- team um, the Aryans. Um, I've got my white skin shirts in now, so we, we you know and, and we've got some you know some logo wear um, also available, and you can find that on our Teespring. The Let's Talk Native is it Let's Talk Native TV or Let's Talk Native? Okay, so, yeah, let's talk native.com slash store. And you can find, you know, again, we've got some t-shirts on Teespring and we're going to look at doing some other, um, other kinds of merchandise just because look, you're wearing a shirt that says let's talk native, then you're, then you're promoting the show. And that's a good way to dress yourself <laughs> and promote what we're doing here. So, and I appreciate that. So that's what, uh, that's what we, we have in store. So look, I want to thank you guys for listening. Um, Maintain that identity and don't be afraid to fight for your identity politics. This is John Kane. This is Let's Talk Native. Yahweh.